We hope you enjoy this message recorded at Equippers Church in Eden. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. Wonderful to be here in Dunedin. It's been a while since I've been here, so it's wonderful to see all your faces and to have my husband. He's not normally on the front row listening while I'm preaching, but, <laughs> but he'll be my biggest cheerleader, I'm sure. But um, I'd just like you to lift your arms. I believe what Willie said, that things are going to move and shift today. And we want to be here with our hearts abandoned. Come on, we don't want to hold ourselves in, but we want to stretch. And there's a stretch in the Spirit, saith the Lord, that I'm going to stretch you out beyond what you could even imagine. Because my plans for you are not small. My plans are big saith the Lord. They're bigger than you could even think or imagine. And today, lids are going to come off. You know, um, walls are going to be pushed over because God says, I'm coming and I'm coming to sweep in in a whole new way. Would you just open your spirits to me today, saith the Lord, and I will come, I will visit, I will tap on the door of your heart. And as you welcome me, there's coming that new enlargement, that new empowerment, that rising to a whole new level that you never thought possible. So the Lord says, as you abandon your heart, as you stretch out today, He's coming. And Father, we thank You for all the shifts and the moves in each one of our hearts and each one of our lives and together as a church, what You desire to do in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may take your seat. Maybe you might like to high-five someone next to you and say, I'm ready. (laughs) So I hear the theme for your month has been faith. You know, faith is amazing. You know, faith is exciting. It takes us out of ourselves and out there on the edge, trusting God for what we believe that He has said. In Hebrews 12, a well-known faith scripture, one and two, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, we will do that today, and the sin which so easily ensnares us, Let us run with endurance, like focused on the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher or the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God the Father. Aren't you glad that this got started in God? Our faith? Come on, it originated with God. He's the author of our story. He doesn't want you to live a small life. He wants you to live a full life in Him. And it says He's going to perfect your story. And He's going to stir our faith in all the in-between stages. And God is here today to stir our faith, to encourage us, to encourage us to keep going on this walk of faith. Do you know that we are going to have to give an account at the end of our life? How well did we do on our journey of faith? What did we do with the things that God showed us in our heart? Were we faithful to them? You know, in Corinthians, it talks about our works being tested by fire. What have we built What have we built by faith? And it's like Jesus is going to put a match to it. And only that that's built in faith, which is gold and precious stones, is going to remain. But everything that we've built for ourselves and without faith will just disappear like hay, straw and stubble. Fire 
will reveal what sort of work it was. And I know I've got enough of the fear of the Lord in me to say, I want to come through that fire where my works are tested. They just reveal the faith that I had in Jesus Christ. How about you? We're stirring faith today together. Um, faith um, projection for 2019, Pastor Sam in the Auckland Church has um, brought a scripture for the year and it's about wide open doors. And 1 Corinthians 16 verse 9 in the um, New King James says, for a great and effective door has opened to me and there are many adversaries. And he's brought it forward like there's a wide open door and that's the period of faith we stand in that there are wide open doors for a great work. And a great work might compose of many good works. It's not just one great work. It's many good works that make up a great work. And there's a wide open door. And we need to walk through that wide open door by faith. And sometimes we think that wide open door is somewhere, way, way, way out there. You know, it's way and it's distant. But actually the wide open door is right here, right now for us to walk through. And I'm going to bring it in the context of allowing Christ to build our lives. He wants to build our house. We need to build our house by faith in Jesus Christ. And we've got a wide open door to build His house collectively. And I'm going to speak about that. We can think, I'm waiting for something else. No, the wide open door is here now it involves every one of us. We're all included. So come with me today and let's be encouraged together. You know, we can only export that which we're already in possession of. You know, if we don't build internally and together, we've got nothing substantial to carry through more wide open doors that God wants to open for us. But you know, it starts with desire. Desire is an expression of our heart. The psalmist expressed it this way in Psalm 84. How lovely is your tabernacle. Come on, let's go on a journey. Oh, Lord of hosts, how my soul longs. Yes, it even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. So the psalmist like, I'm almost fainting. I'm, I'm almost dying. I'm so longing for the courts of the Lord that there's my home. That's where I can dwell. That's where I can experience your peace, your joy, your love, the magnificence of your presence and the majesty of your power. No wonder it says they're still ever praising you. Why? Because there's more to see. And sometimes we're reluctant to go into the courts of the Lord. But I want to see God today stir up desire. I long, I faint. You know, this is my favourite place is being with the Lord, dwelling in the courts of Lord of the Lord. It takes a spiritual um, search. You know, um, spiritual hunger is one of our basic appetites that is, is part of who we are as a person. People are searching, but often they're searching in the wrong areas and destroying their lives. And I want to encourage us today, 
Don't just be a traveller in life. I'm just passing through. You know, I'm a, a souvenir collector and I've got lots of souvenirs because I've been there and I've done that. And some people are like that, but they never stop. And I want you to, uh, to encourage you today to make a spirit search to put down your roots, to dwell in the house of the Lord and see all the benefits. Come on, planters are providers. When you put your roots down, and today if you're a traveller, you're just viewing, you're just looking from the outside, you're just collecting souvenirs and nice memories, I want to encourage you to do more than that. Come on, let your heart go out and search and say, I'm going to put down deep roots. Stay, unpack contribute, be part of what God wants to do. And my testimony, from the age of five, I just knew I was incomplete. Now, I didn't have any big issues. I didn't have a terrible background. I wasn't mistreated. I was well looked after, but my spirit was alive. And I knew I was incomplete without God. And so my understanding grew and my commitment to Jesus grew as I had greater understanding. But I knew, know that my spirit searched and I found God. In Jeremiah, it says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So come on, people, today we're going on a journey. We're going on a search. We want the much more of God. We want to be the people that are still praising you. And that was awesome praise this morning. But let's be like the psalmist and long to dwell in the courts of the Lord. I just don't visit, but I dwell there. I live there. It consumes me. Do you know God has a similar longing? In Psalm 132, verse 13 to 14, it says, For the Lord has chosen Zion, you and me, and his church. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place. Forever, God wants to put his roots down in our lives. He wants to dwell. He wants to abide. He wants it to be his forever place. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. Come on, that search by God. How wonderful to live in the presence of the Lord. It just says in Corinthians, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Everything drops off when we have God inside, when we dwell in His courts and He finds that place of welcome in our hearts. So we're going to stretch our hearts today. Abraham in the Old Testament was on a search. It says, by an act of faith, here's the faith, Abraham said yes to God. It's called to travel to an unknown place that would become his home. When he left, he had no idea where he was going. By an act of faith, he lived in the country promised him, lived as a stranger camping in tents. Isaac and Jacob did the same, living under the same promise. Abraham did it by keeping his eyes on an unseen city with real eternal foundations, the city designed and built by God. Here, Abraham by faith moved out of a place that he knew that he could see, that he was familiar with, and he walked out into a, faith, into a place, not knowing quite where he was going, but knowing that he had been called. And how did he do that? He did it by faith. He dwelt in the land that God had called him to, but he was looking for the city designed by God. His spirit was on a search 
to find that which God had promised. So he looked and he waited. He was looking for God's city, God's construction. Are we on that spiritual search? You know, something that God is bringing together that human hands can't manufacture. Other versions of the scripture say he was looking to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And I really like that. When you think of an architect, and I do know one, but I didn't run this past him to check that I was right because he might have spoiled it. No, <laughs> he might have spoiled my theory. But I think an architect draws with pure, sincere lines. The impression that they have on their heart, they do pure, sincere lines, strong lines that will frame the desire, that beautiful, aesthetic thing that will give you the right feels and, and, and look right. They design pure, sincere lines. And that's what I believe God is our architect. He has drawn pure, sincere lines, uncompromised lines. And yet sometimes we're trying to break those lines and pull it down to what we can feel, touch and see. God's love for us is sincere. And sincerity means the absence of pretense, deceit or hypocrisy. But it's genuine, it's integral. In fact, Paul says to Timothy in the Bible as in his development as a young pastor, he says, Paul, um, Timothy, stick with the fundamentals. Come on, the doctrine that's laid down by God and build on that with a sincere faith and trust. Come on, keep it pure. You know, don't complicate clear. And I think sometimes we think we're so clever that we, <laughs> we complicate, complicate, that's quite hard to say, clear. We change the lines. We put our own squiggles in. We pull it down instead of saying, no, there's a sincere outline God has made as our architect and I'm on a spiritual search to see that. And he said to Timothy, come on, that's your asset. Is that your asset? Your sincerity. I believe it's my asset. I'm sincere. I'm sincere in my faith for God. I can't do everything. I'm not gifted at a lot of things, but I'm sincere. And that sincerity invites and welcomes the Holy Spirit to move in me, through me, and on behalf of myself. Come on, it's your weapon, your sincerity. Come on, fight with sincerity. Fight that fight of faith against anything that's gonna compromise those sincere, pure lines of Jesus. And here's the key scripture, I'll get into it, for today's message is Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4. Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established, and by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant things. So we're going to talk in the context of a house. Why? Because by faith, we're building our house in God. We're allowing God to build us. And we're building His house together here in Dunedin as something that glorifies and invites the presence of God. So I've got three headings for the house. A house is framed. And it says, by wisdom, the house is built. In Hebrews 11 verse 3, it says, by faith, we understand that the words were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen were were not made of things which are visible. God framed 
the world with his words. When you look at the, at the world, aren't you amazed? He's framed it. He's put the earth on the right axis, axis to, to, you know, to be able to revolve around the sun and the moon. It's amazing when we look at nature. But you know, God has done the same and he's calling into existence things which never were and he's put a framework around it to house them. And that is amazing. How much freedom. And yet we often doubt God and think he can't do this and he can't do that. But how amazing is his framework? We could never exhaust his framework. He set it all in place for us and we're so limited with our thinking. Come on, through wisdom, a house is built. We've got to have faith in the wisdom of God. He knows what he's doing. He's framed our lives, the house of our life. He's framed the house of his church. He's framed it and it's so huge. We could never exhaust it and yet we think so small and we pull it down to what we can handle. The Bible says we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and we know that's to do with salvation But I wonder if we fall short of the glory of God that God wants to reveal in us, to us, and through us. Because we don't build. We don't, by faith, step out like Abraham. We're not spiritually searching for that which God wants to show us as we go. We're not looking for that eternal city with foundations made by God and built by God. And we've got to look at why. What are some of the issues And I think some of the issues is our small-mindedness. You know, pride is a big thing, but it comes from a small place. You know, we don't believe in God's sincerity enough. We don't believe in those pure, sincere lines. And we demand God, fit into my framework. Fit into what I can think. Be what I want you to be to me. Instead of like, no, I'm going to fit God into yours. You know, we might say, oh, but my desires are so big. God's not phased by your big desires. In His sight, they're small. You know, He's so big, He can accommodate. And let's face it, He put those desires in us. And He wants to see them fulfilled as we allow Him to breathe upon them. But often our tendency as humans is to pull everything in because we want to relate to the seen the known, what we can manage, what we can put our hands on, what we can handle emotionally. So we change the boundary lines and we pull them in. We misread God's delays. We misread His sincerity and think sometimes He's limiting us. No, He's not. We're limiting ourselves. And we want to reduce God to what we can think, feel, see, know. And our God together is so much bigger than that. How about we give God a clap? Come on. And we can see that when we do that, we set up things like idols. Idols are the works of man's hands, not the wisdom of God. Here's a good scripture in Psalm 115, verse 4 to 6. Their idols are silver and gold the work of man's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. They have eyes, they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk. Nor do they mutter through their throat. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. Come on, when you look at an idol, there's no breath. There's no life. 
You go and hug an idol and just see if it hugs you back. It's not going to. It can't heal you, it can't save you, it can't deliver you, but it can cast an oppression over your life where you're in condemnation, when you're striving, where you're struggling because there's a demand coming from that idol. Idols are hard, cold, unflinching, lifeless, and unable to deliver. It says those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. You ever laid hands on someone who's been into idol worship and you sense death? You can feel that something's cold, dead, unmoving. But we're people of the Holy Spirit and we don't uh, respond to idols. We don't make idols. In New Zealand, we're not a country that has so many idols that are man-made, but we have ideals. And ideals can be good, but sometimes they cross the line where they become idols to us. Our ideals become our idols. I know. And God will allow those idols to fall. Sometimes we've got an ideal about how we want to look, how we want to perform. You know, maybe something about our career. For some, it might be about looks. For some, it might be about the sensual appetite inside needs filling. And it becomes a bit of an idol. I need. So ideals, unredeemed by God, unsurrendered can become idols. And God will always allow your idol to fall. And sometimes we've got to say, is God allowed that? Because he's just redirecting my heart so my desire is pure before him that I can experience the fullness of his house. I can experience the fullness of his blessing. I had to make an adjustment. A line God gave me is, Helen, you don't have to perform well to be accepted. My acceptance was based on my performance and it was an ideal that slipped into being it mattered too much. And I'm like, whether I do good or whether I do not so good, you know, whatever I do, God loves me. And to come to that point is I'm accepted, I'm loved. And that was an ideal that became an idol that, I ha- that fell, that I had to break. So I could come into the freedom of the knowledge of the Holy Spirit. Come on, there's a wide open door of faith to be freed from addictive cycles come on of addictive behavior. And sometimes we don't realize that the structure of our life has shrunk to our pride, to our management. And God wants to break that in the name of Jesus. We held an encounter weekend recently and we talked about idols. We talked about curses and vows. People were freed on that Friday night. People slept for the first time. People felt things lift from them. And we try and manage in our mind. Come on, we're more spiritual than we are flesh and blood. We're on a spiritual search, but God has given us the power and He's given us the authority. So through wisdom, a house is built. Don't fight against God's structure. Don't pitch yourself against God. It's like, who are we to think that we know more than God? Come on, even if that rattles and shakes you today, that's good. It's like, pull it down. So you can see that city that he has designed. What does the song say? He's indescribable, uncontainable, 
He's amazing. So today our spirit is stretching. Come on, we're searching, we're delighting, we're inviting, we're welcoming. So a house is framed. Come on, your structure, my structure, sometimes is too small in our head. It's like, let it go. God's got enough room for you and something better. Can we say, like the psalmist in 16 verse 6, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. So let's step through that wide open door of faith, allowing God to build our life, allowing Him to be our architect. What happens when the plans are all good? You know, for a house, there's a code of compliance. When we respond in faith, it's like God backs us and says, yep, that's my design. That's what I want. Here we go. I've got, you've got my blessing. Second one is a house is fashioned. I hope you're keeping up with me. By understanding, the house is established, which means if it's established, it's secured. Have you ever gone into a cafe and you go like, wow, there's a whole lot of different styles all put together and it just works. You call it eclectic. You know, there's a lot of eclectic things together and you're like, man, that's pretty cool. That just looks good. Different things placed together, but they look amazing. And I wonder as a church, we're a bit like that. Turn to your neighbour and say, we're eclectic. Come on, we're all different, but we just fit together. Come on, it's fashioned by God. God didn't want one mould. Come on, religion is boring. Religion is like a flat pack. You know, it's like a flat pack. It never gets constructed. You know, it doesn't have any relationship. This is amazing. God has put us together and we're supposed to be different. And it just works. And when we understand that, it just looks good. Because God has fashioned it. It's His fashioning. Whereas religion demands that we all be the same. You know, it's like, I don't like differences. I want everybody to be the same and to relate to me and think the same way. So we'll have a little tussle about it. We'll have a little disagreement about it. No, we're fashioned. We're gifts. Come on, gifts that are surrendered, look coming together that just look good and bring glory to our Father who's colorful. You know, He's not boring. He's just not one style. He puts it all together. And as we flow together, it looks good. Marriage problems happen when one partner demands that the other think, feel, and respond exactly the same way. Come on, we're a gift to one another. Bruce and I flow together in vision, in passion, in what we know God has, but we have different functions. We're different, but together we look good, we hope. (laughs) Insecurity wants conformity, but if we let God set the design, he sets us up to succeed. Do you know, in the house, we're setting each other up to win. Come on, we're not here to compete. We're not here to change each other. God will do that work. Come on, we're here to set one another up to win. Now, a friend in our church gave me a, a jar opener. And I just bless her every time I get that jar and open it with this, you know, you just click it like this and then I can twist it because my hands are not so strong these days. And when I go to open a jar, I'm like, I can't. I have to wait till Bruce comes home before I can get on with what I want to do. 
sorry, but Nicola Gaze gave me this can or jar opener, and I bless her every time. But come on, we are here to set one another up to win. As we say, you've fashioned this, Jesus. You bring us together. It's like in the Old Testament in Ruth 1.16. It's like Ruth set Naomi up to win, but Naomi set Ruth up to win. You know, we know the story that Ruth lost her husband. She lost her son-in-laws. She said to her, her sons, she said to her daughter-in-laws, go back to your families. They were from heathen families. But this is Ruth's response. Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and you're my God, my God. Ruth gave up everything of her old life to say, I'm gonna serve you, Naomi. I'm gonna help you recover from all these great losses. I'm not gonna see you in poverty. I'm gonna come underneath you. And then Naomi came under Ruth and says, I know a kinsman. Go into his field, glean after him. That kinsman fell in love with Ruth and married her. And when Ruth and Boaz had a baby boy, they accredited Ruth's baby boy as Naomi's win also. Both women celebrated as they set one another up to succeed. That's what we're here for. That's what we're fashioned for, to bring our gifts, to acknowledge one another, to celebrate one another, but to set one another up to win, to succeed, to draw out. You know, for young people, don't underestimate the house. You know, young people in our, in our churches who are doing lighting, who are doing music, who are exposed to um, setting up big venues and, and operating in the spirit. You know, they just go into secular ones and they've already got it because I've been set up in the house to win. So why wouldn't we want to have all our kids here all the time? It serves them. You know, the church is setting up young people with the uprisings to bring their friends to win. So parents, make sure your kids are here, and I'm sure you do. If children know who they are, they will not fall prey to peer pressure and small frameworks out there because they'll have a big picture of who God is and who they are. So we just thought we'd show you a little video now of some children. And this is an e-group series after a series I wrote on heaven is in my heart. And it's about your forever life, your forever song, and your forever mission. So this is a sneak peek of children feeding back. No rehearsal, but they knew what God was saying to them. So here we go. So I'm Callum and this is Moirangi and this is um, part two of Heaven Is In My Heart and we're going to talk to you about the Forever Song. So the Forever Song is about how much God loves us and that whenever he thinks about us, he's up on his feet doing a little dance, probably a better dancer than me. Um, he's just having, he's having fun. He enjoys thinking about us. So that's just a um, great thing about God. He loves us and he loves everything and that's what the Forever Song is sort of roughly about. Yeah, so God has a different song for each and every one of us. Um, he's all made us different and we all have a different tune that God has put on our lives. Um, so I know for myself, my tune is peace. Um, so recently I've been reading The Fruits of the Spirit and 
uh, God has just put something on my heart about peace and how that can just um, make the environment more lovely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think the tune in my heart is prayer and wisdom and sort of including others. The thing um, I reckon that stands out the most is prayer. I don't know why, but I love like praying for people. I love just knowing that I've made a difference in someone's life. And I like I do these things all the time. Like at school a couple of days ago, um, I played with this kid. He was all lonely. I'm pretty sure he was crying. And I played with him, and then he was happy. And um, that's just a thing I like. I love to do. I love to know that I made a difference. And um, I just love praying for people because I know that I've made a difference. Yes, I real I agree with you, Callum. <laughs> I think that um, that's a great testimony. And um, God has a, a tuning fork, and um, He just ha He tunes us every day. And don't get me wrong, we are all good, but there's some things that we need to work on. And I think, as I was saying recently, I've been um, reading about the fruits of the spirit and. God has just put um, forgiveness on my heart um, because, as you know, siblings can be a bit annoying. And um, me and my little sister have quite a lot of arguments. So I think um, when even when it's really hard to forgive, God is just going to keep tuning me and I'm just going to grow and grow to become a better sister. Yeah, I think um, I sort of think of God as sort of like a drummer. Like he keeps the beat for every single one of us. And it's our job to get in sync with God and get into his beat. Like if we go out of beat, but maybe we get jealous, we get angry, we sin maybe. And um, we just need to get back in sync with God. Okay. <laughs> so there we are. That's why we want to build children and um, build them in bigger in God so they know who they are and they're not swayed by smaller frameworks that are out there. And I think as we build the church, we're setting environments where the external environment calls to the inner choosing of God. Come on, we've got the DNA of our parents, you know, we've got that link there, but we've got the DNA of God. And when we set spiritual environments, it calls to the inner choosing, the things and the giftings that God has fashioned and put in you. And, you know, they're not going to find that in other environments. And that's why we need to build the house. That's why we need to get the young people into the house so they can discover who they are and operate out of that place of empowerment. When Moses said, who is on the Lord's side? Who stepped up? The Levites. Because the Levites, it was just in them. Why? Because Levi means to be joined. And there's something in you and I that in this environment together will draw out the gift to a greater capacity than you could have ever, ever known. You know, our gifts do not function at their highest in isolation. But together, what can we do to set an environment? In Dunedin Church, you're creating that so that God can come and anoint and call out His choosing out of people's lives. So time's going fast. But I'm just going to do one more very quickly. The house is um, furnished. Okay. It just says by knowledge from that original scripture, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. You know, it's one thing to build a house. It's another thing to furnish it. Man, that's costly, isn't it? When you get curtains, you know, and lighting and, and all that stuff. That's the expensive part. 
But you know, as we apply wisdom and say, God, your framework's so big, I'm not gonna pull it into my small world. I'm gonna reach up to you because there's so much more. I'm looking for you. You're my architect. You're my builder. You know, you're the glory and the lifter of my head. You want me to see more than I can see. When I apply that, when I understand the differences and we're fashioned and God just makes us look good together by fitting us together as living stones with different gifts. As we do that, that attracts the presence of God. That attracts the anointing of God. I believe God's furnishing is the attraction of the Holy Spirit to what we've put into practice. That's the furnishing. And the Queen of Sheba heard about Solomon's house and she went to see it in 1 Kings 10 verse 6. She said, it exceeded everything that I heard about. And she was overwhelmed. In fact, she was breathless. She was taken away by the sincerity of what she saw. She brought a gift for Solomon, but she received so much, much more. Come on, God anoints servants. God beautifies environments and atmospheres. He performs miracles as we stand in the place that he wants us to stand. What did the Queen of Sheba see? The furnishings. Had she seen opulent things before? Had she seen splendid things before? Of course she had. But what she hadn't seen was satisfaction, fulfillment, joy, freedom, generosity, purpose, flow, anointing, love, worship, the things you can't buy, the qualities that go beyond. She saw a spirit of multiplication and prosperity on the house. She saw that God had furnished the house and she had no answers. She came to look at something in the natural, but she saw something that was furnished in the spirit. Our wide open door of faith is right here, right now, to step into all that God has, to say, God, build me. I change my mind. I get out of my smallness. I get out of my box. I get out of my intellectual pride. I get out and I'm on a journey and I'm gonna leave where I've been and I'm moving. And you'll give me the ability by faith to dwell, but still watching for what you're gonna bring together in the Spirit. God, I'm just know that you're gonna give me understanding of what you've placed in me. And as I put myself and, other cho and my children and bring other people, the external environment of worship, praise is gonna to call to the inner choosing. How many kids at camps discover what God has called them for? How many things drop into place and choose suddenly in a spiritual environment? God shows you things that you would never ever have appreciated before. And in Isaiah, it says, come on, stretch. Come on, extend yourself. Today, we're gonna move. Today, we're gonna shift. And God's gonna furnish our lives with so much, our temples, but He also wants to furnish it with people. Come on, some of His pleasant riches. There's more people in Dunedin to come. There's more people to reach out to. There's family members you wanna reach out for. And we've gotta start praying and saying, I'm looking for that in the Spirit, Lord. God, I'm believing you. When we have a wide open door for multiplication, God, I'm gonna believe you're gonna just do things well beyond what I could think or ask. Our testimony, 
and I could tell you so much, is about living a life of convergences, of suddenlies, of God pouring out His Spirit, of God linking and looping and knitting behind our back. He gives us a vision and as we dare to believe, He does the linking, He does the looping, He does the designer, and then He pulls it together. And I could tell you about Germany, I could tell you about London. The latest is Budapest. I had a vision for Budapest and only because a prophet spoke it into my life. I said to Bruce, can we take a meeting to Budapest by faith? We only had a contact in London who, it was ironic, I had sort of helped her. She only had 1% chance of survival. She was Hungarian. She was the daughter of an underground pastor. And um, she always said, Helen, why don't you start Equippers Hungry? And we're like, oh, we're too busy. We're trying to do London. We're trying to, yeah. But I held it in my heart and I had a prophecy about Budapest. So we took a meeting and we just provided an environment for some Hungarian pastors who came from the country in. But who knew that amongst them, some unexpected people, some Slovakians who were half Hungarian were there. God arranged it. And when we talked about it, they shared two or three years later, something leapt in their heart. Now we've got a Quippus Budapest startup church with a great future, but where did it spring from? From a prophetic, from God calling something out and then an act of faith of moving in. When I was um, leading the children's church in Auckland because there was a need for three and a half years, I believe for revival fire. I followed the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I looked in the Spirit for what God wanted to do. And God said, Helen, I want you to wake the children's spirit up. You know, they might know this and they might know that, but I want you to wake their spirit up. So I crafted some prayer, not intentionally, but I look back now. So I'm gonna give it to you quickly and we're finishing. Prayers of faith. What are you praying? 2016. Isaiah 59, 19, I led the team in this. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God will lift up a standard. And I'm like, if we don't put the standard of the Word of God in, because when the enemy comes against them and teenagers, they've got nothing to push back. But if we put the Word of God in, that's the standard that'll rise up and push back. So 2016, us leaders prayed it. I had them praying it every week. We prayed it and we put standard. We wrote curriculum, we did multimedia, we made it um, easy for the children to understand, but with the spirit um, element, not limiting kids, they won't like this. It's like, they'll love it, and they did. <laughs> 2017, we prayed Acts 6-7, and the Word of God spread, and the disciples multiplied greatly. And I'm like, what's gonna spread? Not our good ideas, not our fun times. God spreads the Word of God. That's what he's gonna spread and I believe for that, that the children were gonna catch on fire. It was gonna be like, and we saw that. We saw the children catching the Word of God. And as you can see, being able to feed back at a moment's notice the things that God has already spoken to them about and the number of disciples multiplied. We've got about 85 kids leaders in Auckland. It's the place that people wanted to be because of the life of the Spirit. 2018, we prayed Isaiah 49, 19 and 20. This place is too small, make room for us. Talked about kings and queens coming and carrying, carrying children and fostering them. We prayed that. And out of that revelation, the kids said, it's too small. We also needed a building, but it's too small. 
got the inspiration, kids ministering to kids. And we established a prayer tent where the children lay hands. The children intercede before service. They, in the altar call, when the word, when the um, appeal is given, the children get up, walk over to the prayer tent, and year sixes are laying hands and praying on children. You know, they will pray. They are not ashamed to pray. This is going to hold them in good stead. And our leaders that are leading now have got from Joel chapter 2 about the swarms, about deployment and occupation. I just brought that because I want you to see progression of faith. We could not have deployment and occupation where our children could go into hospitals and pray for people and lay hands. You should hear them pray. Put a leader in the middle if we have any pastors come into the room by any chance in the prayer tent. And they like gobsmack that the kids laying hands and praying for them. We could not have deployment and occupation. We hadn't started with standard. If we hadn't have come with Leo, let the kids' hearts catch on fire. Let's um, empower the children. Now we've got deployment and occupation. Come on, what are you praying? What's your prayers of faith? What's your crafted prayer? Come on, there's a flow from the house individually corporately. We're all filled. There's a wide open door. How about we stand? We hope you enjoyed this message recorded at Equippers Church, Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipperschurch.com.